Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Command Point. We are here today with a very special guest. I'm Shane. I'm here with Ryan, and we have the winner of the Transatlantic Open here, Matthew Fong, a.k.a. Micromancer. How's it going? Uh, it's good, guys. Really good to be here. Yeah, it's been like a long time coming. Uh, Ryan, how you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to uh, to get down to it. Yeah, so I mean, first of all, how's it going, Micro? What's what's new? What's new for you? Uh, not nothing's new in this apocalyptic world. <laughs> Just living a quiet life, playing our game. <laughs> it's yeah, a prep life. Always prepping for the next one, huh? Yeah, um, exactly. We can talk about that later, though. Uh, yeah. the, the next one that is. So I guess. Uh, Ryan, do you want do you want to get us started with? Uh, I know you've got a lot of of material just just yeah. waiting in the wings here. Yes, I do. Okay, so basically the the format for this interview is basically we're going to be talking about excuse me a lot about uh, the list that you had brought to TAO, um, the who's what, where's when's hows and whys for it and everything, and um, okay. talk about basically the overall strategy of the list and how you ran it. And uh, yeah, we'll just take it from there after that. So um, first off, uh, the first question I have for you is, why did you decide to take Astra Militarum for the Transatlantic Open? So uh, it really came from just looking at the format on the board. Um, we're looking at like a really open board with objectives that are standing in the open. and um a object like a primary format that rewards holding more than killing and so it's like a weird um mix of like you are really incentivized to be on objectives but it's super dangerous to stand on them mm -hmm. um so yeah i was trying to make some melee teams work early on or some more hordy teams but i was just finding like i was just getting shot off of objectives so I really gravitated towards Astra Militarum because I was like, well, you know what? Gottfried can hold an objective, stand in the open, and just not worry about getting shot. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a bunch of, like, movement hijinks with, um, like, Move, Move, Move or Ryan and Rouse, where they can survive the dangerous part of the phase in, um, in cover and then hop onto an objective to score a point later on once it's safe. So that was kind of my starting point for looking at the team. Cool, cool. Very interesting. I was actually wondering, before you decided on uh, Astra Militarum, was there anything else that, like, was there, like, a long process where you were deciding between that and another faction, maybe? Or how, how close did you get with anything else? I, <laughs> uh, as, we, as we've seen, this board can be, like, really punishing to factions that aren't suited to it. Mm-hmm. So it was a quick process of like, I think I tried heretics on it a little bit and gave up really quick. Um, I had been working on some gene stealer cult stuff for um, the LVO packet. And I tried, initially I tried adapting that, but uh, again, like it, just with no line of sight blocking cover to speak of, uh, that got discarded pretty quickly as well. And then I think I settled on Astra. All right, so uh, 
can you go ahead and take us down basically uh, all the models that were in your command roster that you decided to go with? Sure. Um, do you want me to just like list them off or like yeah, just, yeah, just list just list them off, and then we can kind of get into the nitty gritty for all those key models. Uh, okay. Once we're through it. Okay, so for leaders, there's only one leader: a special weapon guardsman with a last gun. Uh, specialists, I've got a demo with a flamer, a demo with a hotshot volley gun. I've got a heavy with a hotshot volley gun and a heavy with a melta gun. And then a Tempester Medic with a Plasma Pistol Power Fist and a Tempester Medic with a Bolt Pistol Power Fist. Um, that's all for specialists. For the retainers, there's Gottfried, Pius, and Ryan. And then Rouse would be at the top of non-specs. Mm -hmm. um, for non-specs, I've got one Plain Guardsman, uh, two Flamers, Two plasma guns, a scion with a plasma gun, a scion with a hotshot volley gun, and two sergeants with um, one with a plasma pistol power sword and one bolt pistol chain sword. I yeah. think that's the roster. Yeah. Yeah, that looks to that looks about it. Um, so very interesting list here. You went with the Catachan sub faction, so that's. Great because you know it buffs up Godfrey to having strength four, and right. everything else other than your scions on this are going to be bumped up to strength four. Basically, um, were any of the models that Astra Militarum could take that you wound up putting on this list? Are there any that you considered to be auto takes? Godfrey's the only like straight hundred percent auto take. I guess like him and the leader, right? You don't have a choice on that guy. Yeah. Um. And then after that, it pretty much Ryan and Rouse. Um, there was one game where I didn't bring them against, uh, or was it Sisters of Silence? But in general, I'm going to be always trying to bring them. I'll, I'll sacrifice a lot of stuff before I drop those guys. Yeah. Hey, I'm, um, I'm a, you're flexible. in. You're in good company when it comes to uh, to Ryan and Rouse fan club. Yeah, um, yeah. I I've mean, been... this is it right here. <laughs> I I've got to say, like, I've got to give Shane credit. He's the one that really turned me on to um, Ryan and Rouse in particular, and then both him and like Tom Larishal, who kind of pioneered Catachan lists in different forms. Um, yeah, I, I think I started from a spot that like Shane and Tom had both kind of covered before, but as I kind of prepped and refined the list, I think it took on a bit of its own identity. Yeah, so talk about that a little bit, like how this list evolved into its final product from like where you started off. So my exposure to Catachans before this, um, I had seen Tom run them in bats, and he actually did really well with them there. I think he was the only other... He was the only player other than me that managed to take a game off of the command point roster, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, because, uh, yeah, you're right. Because he beat Ryan in that one game. Yeah. Yeah. And my only loss state. was, yeah, and then my only loss was to you, yeah. Yeah, so that was actually, I think, I think that game was the first time I had seen Katachan's run. Um, actually, no, that's a lie. I think Shane had run, run them against me a few times. Um, but... Shane had been running them against me in, at 125 
with the uh, Balgren Bonad veteran on there. Oh, yeah. And so the list I've been exposed to was kind of like Gottfried, the Balgren, usually Pius, Ryan and Rouse. And then I think like the Tempester and the Sergeant and maybe another model or two. Yeah, a couple of gunners would usually make their way in there. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I started with this list. Um, I was trying to adapt it to an open board and 100 and kind of quickly realized I had to drop the Balgren in favor of like some more shooting. Um, and so, it, yeah, I kind of, when I'm looking at a matchup, it would kind of start with Gottfried, the Twins, um, the Sergeant, the Tempester, and some Gunners. And then, depending on the matchup, I'd kind of start looking at what I could cut from that and start putting in some more efficient weaponry. It kind of, especially on this board, um, like the Sergeant and the Tempesta were some of the first models I would look at cutting for each faction. Just like if I, I would keep them in if I really thought they had a purpose. But I, early on, I think I was trying to force them into matchups that they just weren't suited for. So about matchups, what matchups were you uh, really expecting to be coming up against? What factions were you expecting to be paired up against uh, in this tournament that like you were worried about, I guess? Uh, that I was worried about. Yeah, was that really you were really building Drukari. the roster for. Yeah. Drukari was a big one. Um, everybody knew they were kind of a boogeyman going in. And then um, the only prep game I had against Drukari, uh, Shane stomped me in it. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I theory crafted an answer, but I never got a chance to practice it to see if it would actually play out the way I thought it would before the uh -huh. tournament started. Um, some other ones I thought would do really well. Uh, I thought like Tau was an A plus team for this matchup or this um, packet. Um, I, I never ran into them in the tournament, but I think they would have been a hard one to compete with. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh <laughs> yeah thank you that, that was a very close it, it came very close to happening yes <laughs> and then uh i i was a little worried about just like a huge nid swarm as well yeah those right. nids at 100 points they can they can swarm for sure mm -hmm. um yeah. i wanted to talk before we move on from the i guess we kind of moved on a little bit from the list but there was one thing i wanted to touch back on um i feel like every a Katachan player, they kind of reach the point in their prep where they, they have to come to the, I guess, decision to not run Pius as much as they might want to because it is a really cool model. Um, can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Because I, I know that you hit that point eventually. Um, it, I guess just talk about Pius, Pius Vorn and, and her role in the roster. Yeah, she's a very specialized um, part of it. I think it's a mistake to include her as just like an auto take. Um, like she has a very good weapon. Uh, she can, she has really good output in melee, but in general, she is a squishy model. Um, so I, I was very willing to take her in matchups where I thought I could get her to work, but you have to be careful with her. Um, like as good as she is, she's, She's also kind of, she, she can end up being a bit of like a counterplay or like give your opponent a lot of counterplay to the, what the rest of your army is doing. I found like 
for example, against like an Akathist or something, she has the potential to kill the Akathist. The Akathist has the potential to kill her, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so on some level, she can do something that most guard models don't have a chance of doing, and that's like take that model toe-to-toe in close combat. But you're probably looking at also winning like a decisive strike coin flip there or like just having one initiative or whatever to get the charge off. And um, if you don't kill that model and maybe it's the Akathist and like three Mandrakes or something that hopped onto her, all of a sudden you've like lost that coin flip, you've lost Pius, and you've also given like those four or five models like a safety island of melee where they can hide from the rest of your shooting team right Mm -hmm. so that's kind of why i started dialing back on her was just she's very good but sometimes she doesn't synergize with the rest of the team very well okay yeah no i totally agree with pretty much everything you said Uh, i just thought it would be interesting to to hear kind of your process on on I guess, breaking down and understanding Pius Vorn, because you look at the model in the data sheet and the points cost, and it's easy to see it for the first time and think, wow, this is like an auto-include. Yeah. But uh, in practice, it it really isn't much of an auto-include, and it does have its place, but it's specialized, like you said. Yeah. Um, I think that that was one of the bigger learning curves I had to figure out with Guard. I think early on, I was playing like, very aggressive with like some of my models like the tempester and pious and the flamers and um that's kind of like how i was used to playing from heretics um but yeah i was just running to situations like i described where like as good as they are at what they do all of a sudden like i'm getting uh, i'm standing on like opponent's objectives with them um fighting in close combat and like dying over there and then all of a sudden, those were like opponents that I wasn't able to shoot that turn that got a kill in melee and are now scoring an objective that I wasn't able to contest anymore. So, yeah, just just how just trying to get used to how those models interact with the shooting team behind them, as opposed to how they interact with like a melee team behind them was um, maybe one of the bigger elements of play I had to fine tune for this tournament. Um. So I guess speaking of like model synergies um you've got like like you've got a lot of great shooting in this list you got a lot of great close combat in this list um so i guess we can talk about uh basically how you ran it what was your overall strategy for running this command roster and did you after did you ever have to change or adapt your strategy during the tournament yeah that that's like a tricky question because Guard is so flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I don't know if there's two matchups that I would play exactly the same. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, like, there's just... Like, I, I, I can run from, like, really heavy on melee, like, from Gothrit, Pius, the Tempester, and the Sarge, to, like, just Gothrit for melee. Um... I can run the gambit from like playing like a super positional game with like just like move shenanigans and like not very killy models to like a very balls to the wall kill kill everything in your path kind of list. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, it, it's re it would be really hard to pin down like an overall strategy for the entire tournament. Um, besides Gottfried in the middle and Rouse in reserve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the one constant that I had noticed. Um, yeah, and I guess we can talk about later on. We can talk about your um, your strategies going into like the the last best of three series against Dangerfro and what strategies you use there. Um, yeah. So. Uh, in your roster, you've got you've got some models like just like a plain old guardsman with nothing but a las gun, or a uh, a sergeant guardsman who's just got like the chainsword and bolt pistol, which um, I don't think a lot of players would even consider taking. Um, instead, right. choosing to use those points elsewhere in their kill team to either bring in I don't know like another plasma gunner or something like that. Um, but the way that you were running these models. Uh, they felt really lean and they felt like they brought real value to your team. So like, how did, like, how do you take a, just like a lone guardsman with a las gun and make it, uh, just like seem integral to your overall strategy? Yeah, you, cause you, you kind of have to remember that the, um, in the format we're looking at, it is hold one, hold more. Right. And so most of the primary points are from holding. So bodies are important. And um, you're also at least doing one positional objective in each um, in each oh, set of secondaries. Oh. Right. Sometimes two. Yeah. So just from a pure body count, um, those models can be worth it sometime. And then there's also cases where the quality of shooting doesn't necessarily matter um like for example against something like with a invuln save or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. something like that like you can upgrade at, at that point it's really not worth it like if you're dropping that lone guardsman essentially what he does is his five points goes into upgrading one of the uh guardsman gunners into a scion gunner right mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's really the trade that you're looking at is like a guardsman gunner and a guardsman or one scion. And if you're looking at a matchup where you don't need that extra ballistic skill and you think an extra body will help you, whether it's for screening or you just don't think like a plasma gun or something like that is going to do you any good, then that's where that extra body becomes really nice. Yeah. Um, before we get into the. Uh, just like looking back on your your best of three series against Danger Fro Shane, do you have any other questions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I was. Were there any? I mean, it seemed I was I was paying attention to your games as much as I could throughout the tournament. Um, were there any games before the best of three that were, I guess, more challenging or, or particularly mm, like yeah. interesting matchup wise that you wanted to talk about? I don't, most of the games leading up to most of the early games in the tournament were pretty one-sided. Um, I, I thought the game with James Skinner and the Thousand Sons was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, he, he played like a really interesting strategy that <laughs> like almost completely ignored the, uh, the objectives on the board, really like castled in one corner and, um, he made like a really sick 
familiar play. What's that tactic called? A malicious familiar. Malicious familiar uh, play to try and double or triple mortal Gottfried out of action on turn one. <laughs> that almost worked. It almost uh, worked. Yeah. So <laughs> I think leading up to, but before the finals, that was probably the most interesting game of the bunch. Um, I was really worried for my game with uh, with you, Ryan. I think that was the my first game in the playoffs. Just because uh, yeah. that, that was the first time I tried running that anti Drakari strategy, and I it worked. I thought it was going to work in my head, but I had I like I said, I hadn't been able to test it. So yeah, I could all. I was just picturing things going wrong all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it certainly worked. So. Um... Back about uh, James's triple mortal wound pile on onto Godfrey. Um, in that game, like had Godfrey gotten taken out turn one, where do you think you would have been in that game? Do you think that you still would have pulled it out, or how? I guess how concerned are you for Godfrey's safety and well-being, and how that translates into the success of your kill team? So in that matchup. Gottfried's better. Like I in that matchup, I'm really not looking for Gottfried to kill anything. Right. But I am hoping for him to anchor my team um leadership wise. Just because Thousand Sons is so good at just like passing out uh injuries. Mm-hmm. And so they can force you to a break check pretty quick. And that's how I'd seen James win some of his other games this tournament was kind of playing in a, a similar manner, like really ignoring objectives. Um, and just kind of forcing break checks on the opponent really early. So I, like, I don't think I would have auto lost or anything if Gottfried had gone down. I think I would have still had a chance. Like the models I had on the board are still very good against what he has. Um, but if I, if Gottfried goes down and I'm on like a break check and if I break like turn, if I run into like big leadership problems, turn three, um, you could see a comeback in the points, I think. Yeah. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to talk about as far as potential matchups go. Um, we mentioned that Drakari was kind of a boogeyman going into this tournament, but I feel like there was another boogeyman that didn't actually make it to the tournament, and that's mm. Necrons. Uh, oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody played them at all. Uh, how do you feel your list would have done against Necrons? Because I feel like there's such a unique challenge um, right. They present such a such an interesting, um, I guess, like an interesting situation to to a lot of teams. So I guess, how do you feel that your Catachan list or roster, as it was, would have handled uh, a potential Novak Necron matchup? Yeah, I think um, it like Necrons are never go- you're never gonna have a team out there that's like, no, I answer Necrons. Like, I got this, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like, I I don't think that team exists. Um, But I think Guard has a lot of tools that other teams would be envious of to, like, have at their disposal for that matchup. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Like, like you have a model that can actually survive in combat against the Lich Guard. Um, You have... Like yeah, the shooting, uh, the shooting options to make a lich guard very dangerous for your opponent to take, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then against played ones, you have like you've got lots of plasma and hot shots, right? And both of those are good options against uh, that kind of that kind of threat, as well as like the Tempester, I think is really good in that matchup. Maybe even the Sergeant. I'm, I'm not 100% sold on him just because of the strength four against toughness four. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think the board would probably favor guard. I, I don't know. I, I think if you're going to play Necron, against Necrons, um, the TAO board is the place to do it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. With, like, yeah. a shooting team oh, like this. That's fair, right? yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. I was actually experimenting. Before I chose Drakari, you know this, I was experimenting with, with Mephrit Necrons just to yeah. see if there was anything there. Um, it's. Uh, it was an open board for sure. <laughs> Very yeah. open, yeah. It was a... Uh... Yeah, and and there's like there's not a ton of cover, so I think you could even get shots on stuff that you know isn't obscured and shit. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't think it would have been it wouldn't have been an auto win, but I think I would have had a good chance. Yeah, as good a chance as you can. I guess yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. I guess another another matchup I might I kind of want to throw out there that almost happened but just didn't quite materialize. Um, there was a player in my group. Um, I think his name was Alfonso who was bringing Harlequins. I guess he has a bit of a reputation as a Harlequin player. Oh, yes. Um, but he ended up dropping out of the tournament kind of last minute. Um, so I, I, I've been prepping for that matchup and had some cool stuff planned, but he also was bringing kind of an interesting list that I'd be really curious to see how that would have looked. Um, well, so I guess you got to tell us now. What, what yeah, would what your was, answer what was the cool to Harlequin? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> answer to Harlequin. Okay, so I was... That was one of the reasons why I had the triple hotshot volley gun yeah. scion on okay. there. Um, but it would have looked kind of different. In that matchup, I was planning on having all three of them in reserve, um, as well as Rouse. And then okay. deploy, like, I was going to... So deployment starts. I start putting, like, all four of my models into reserve. And then... I was hoping that I would then I was just going to pile all of my remaining guys on one side of the board as far away from whichever side he has more guys deployed on. <laughs> and then turn 1, I was only going to have Gottfried stand on an objective. Yeah, and then Godfrey everybody just, else is fair. like as far away as possible in a corner where I can like and like my leader has like the tempester um, in front of him, I think Ryan has the sergeant in front of him. So if he does get a long charge off, at least I can uh, fix bayonets first. Yeah, and so I managed to get like a few practice games with that strategy against uh, Tom, um, who, besides being a Katachan player, is also a, a good Harlequin player. And it was working pretty well. Um, it was like I, I was going really low on the positional side of things. Like, I. I was pretty much just relying on Gottfried to score one objective a turn and then um, trying to really just kill his models from a distance that he couldn't charge at. Oh, yeah. I was actually going to say, like, weirdly enough, like, I don't know if he had Frozen Stars, but Frozen Star Harlequins with Kisses could actually, like, kill Gottfried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is um, a real threat. Yeah, I think the roster he had, it was a really cool one. I forget the sub-faction. Is, is Frozen Stars, like, the extra attack one? Yeah, yeah, it's one extra attack on a charge. 
Yeah, so he he did have a Frozen Stars roster with two kisses on it, I think. Um, but the other half of his roster was a sub-faction that you don't see very often. I forget what it's called, but what it does is it gives you models within, like, one inch of you. Get, I think, minus one to their leadership. And when you roll a nerf check, you roll uh, 2d6 and take the highest. Oh, the opponent does, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Right. That's really and interesting. So yeah. I was actually really, and so I was like 90% sure that he would take that side of his roster against me. And it was almost all, uh, I want, I'm not up to date on my Harlequin terminology. I think it's the caress, like the good one damage weapon. Is that it? Yeah. Is that like strength plus two AP minus two or, or is I it minus like three? Strength I think it's strength plus one, AP minus three. Yeah, that's the say. other one. Yeah. Um, and so he had like a lot of those and maybe one kiss. I think he had one kiss on that one. Okay. So I was pretty sure that, you know, chances are he wouldn't get a kiss onto Gottfried because he only has one. <laughs> and then, but it was a scary list to kind of prepare yourself for because even if they do flesh wound one of your guys uh, with guard leadership, you're probably shaking, right? Yeah, I mean that's that is a legitimate threat, especially with the two d six nerve tests. Yeah, um, I guess I was thinking like the first thing I thought when I thought about Harlequins versus Guard was like a combat and Zealot with Kiss with Frozen Stars, both charging Gottfried and getting like twelve attacks, wounding on threes, <laughs> yeah. like D three damage. <laughs> yeah, that, it's that'd like, be crazy. It's one of those things where you could you could play Harlequins that way. I don't yeah. think. Um, I, I I would be surprised if a, a player of Alfonso's quality though uh, mm -hmm. would try a play like that just because it's so risky, right? Oh, for sure is. It's like <laughs> you're, you're almost hey man, if you fail one of them, <laughs> you fail one of them and yeah. he's out. Um, or or Godfrey yeah. could get a decisive strike off and this kill both of your guys. Also, right? <laughs> also true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. Risky. So I guess uh, Ryan, you wanna. You wanted to ask about the uh, the finals now? Yeah. So I guess if this happened like a few weeks ago, but if you could um, try to take us back to right before the finals and basically how you were prepping um, against Danger Fro and his Drakari list. You know, I you had pretty much minimum information really all you had was your opponent's list but you didn't know until the day of at the very least uh what map and what secondaries list you were going to be playing on uh so danger fro had his roster split into three sections right he had the racks the cabalites and the witches mm -hmm. um i was pretty confident i wasn't going to see the witches and if he did bring them i was just gonna take that as like Okay, that's good for me. I, I, it's okay that I didn't prep this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll just wing that that one. Um, but I I came up with a like a general game plan for what I wanted to do against both the other parts of his list, and then I practiced my like deployment and uh, turn one movement again for like what I wanted to do against his other lists. Um, and because we didn't know the deployments, I practiced all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That'll oh, do it. Jeez, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Professionals. So, 
have standards. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things where when you're trying to play such like a screen, like a like my turn one has to be super precise in this matchup. If I allow like a deep strike in a bad spot, it can really screw like everything up, right? Um, like we in game two, we kind of saw how things can start to go bad once they start like piling in onto one model after another, right? Yeah. Um, and some of these deployments, like especially the diagonal ones, um, there's some like problem spots that I had to come up with some solutions for where he would be able to either move models or deep strike models behind some of the containers where I couldn't see from my turn one movement, um, where there would be kind of charges over onto objectives that I really needed to be scoring. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I needed to make sure I had plans for situations like that. Yeah, I came up with some pretty cool stuff. Um, I didn't, it never actually, because we didn't draw these deployments in the finals, uh, I wasn't able to show it, but for some of those diagonal ones, like I had plans to use, there's a Astra Militarum tactic, I think it's called uh, Reconnaissance Sweep. It's like a vent move for a Scion that you roll 2d6 for. Yeah. And so I was like, on these diagonal ones, I was going to use that on my like heavy hotshot volley gun just to get it over into a spot where I could move it so it uh -huh. could get an angle on those crates turn one and just kind of deny him that that safe drop zone. Um, wow, so okay. I, I had plans for stuff like that, and I think there were a few deployments where I was going to use, like, advance a hotshot turn one and use an order to allow it to still fire. There were, like, a few situations where I had... I kind of had to do some creative thinking to come up with a turn one movement that I was happy with. Okay. So screening was super important for this matchup, right? Because, you know, for me as a Jagari player in our matchup that we had played, uh, deep striking was kind of like the plan for me. And then yeah. when you just completely screened me out, I uh, I was just like, oh, okay. This is yeah. going to be that game. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when you look at the secondaries that are available, like, like first of all, a, a really nice deep strike into your back zone is like really nice for your opponent just from a board state perspective. Right. Right. Um, but then also from a scoring state, like all the positional objectives um, that Drakari wants to be taking, like they really don't want to contest domination on Gottfried. Um, they don't want to be taking proximity alert because if they're getting into melee, they want to be killing you. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be taking um, the board edges one because there's no cover along the edges. So really, Drakari is hoping to get either recon sweep or engage on all fronts as their positionals, right? Yeah. How did you feel about engage on all fronts? Yeah, so for like for them, I thought if like if I screen them out of my deployment, it's very easy. Like I, I have so much firepower that if I direct it at like the models which are closest to me, 
which are the most threatening ones and the ones I want to be targeting anyways, like I can probably shoot them off of one of my own board quarters. Um, so I thought that one was very hard for them to score as well as, and then recon sweep was also hard for them to score just from the screening and then the same issue that I can just kind of shoot them as they get close. Um, engage on all fronts was great for me, just with all the, like you guys have talked about the action economy of guard before, just with mm -hmm. like Ryan and Rouse jumping everywhere, move, move, move. Um, and it's so easy to just get got for it in like one of their board quarters early on and just not have to worry about losing losing that position okay so take us now into turn one you're sitting at, you're sitting across the uh the virtual table from danger fro and he pulls up with his cavalites so how were you feeling when you saw those was that what you were expecting or were you expecting the racks what did you what, what were you thinking yeah I, I was expecting the cobblites um i think he had already seen um You'd already seen me play against your racks, right? Um, I, no, I like think, a rack. <laughs> yeah, I think it may have been literally a rack. A rack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he had seen that. Um, yeah, I, I was expecting him to try the cobblelites first, mm -hmm. um, especially on that deployment, which was a little farther apart. Um, yeah. I, I was kind of curious about how that one would go. I went in thinking I would have to play more aggressive than I had against the other teams just because he could kind of match my shooting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, it's not like one of those teams where they've only got two shooting models. Like, he's got, I think, three Mandrakes, the two Gunners, and then even though their guns aren't amazing, there there were two other Kabbalites there that at least two with splinter rifles, right? Um, even though the guns aren't amazing, they're still ignoring obscurity, so they're pretty accurate. So yeah, I, I knew I had to kind of come up with a solution for the Dark Lance. Um, I wanted to be aggressive with my Sergeant and my Flamer and Gottfried. Um, that was kind of my game plan going in there. So how did you basically like hard counter that Dark Lance? Because that was the scariest thing that he was fielding against you. Right. Yeah, I don't have a... I wouldn't say I have a hard counter for it. Um, I was able to neutralize it, I think, turn, turn one, I went second. Like, he, he had to move first. Yeah. So I was able to... Um, I was able to just deny it any shots. Yeah. And then I, I think I used move, move, move on like my flamer to get him out of the way of a shot as well. I've kind of been always planning on doing that, but. Mm -hmm. um, and then later on in the game, I managed to set up a, uh, a blind charge from the same flamer onto the dark lance. Yeah. Which I think kind of pinned it in place turn three. And I think, Turn four, Gottfried, finally. I guess you could say Gottfried was the hard counter. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, um, I think turn four, Gottfried finally managed to chase them down and put an end to that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Shane, do you have any questions about game one for him? Yeah. Um, I guess thinking back on game one, 
Um, there's one moment that you and I talked about a little bit. I believe this was game one uh, that I, that I thought it would be funny just to to hear you talk about for the 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 pod. Um, there was a time I believe where I really wanted on commentary for danger to charge one of his just basic Cabalite warriors into, I think it was Rouse who had a flesh wound at the okay. time. Yeah. Um, and it, and it would have been like a very high percentage kill uh, actually. And it probably would have been the most use he could have gotten out of, out of just like a naked Cabalite warrior. Um, was this something that you were worried about in that game? Like when in that round, like when you saw it on the board? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so this is, so this stems from like a decision that I made at the end of turn one shooting. And so after, so Rouse jumps in off the board edge, chucks his grenade at a Mandrake, I believe. Um, and then he uses his, I, I decide to scarper him over onto one of Danger's objectives, um, very close to one of his Cobblites. Um, and I, I remember thinking about this move when I made it because I was like, you know, this is a, this could be a bad move. Like I could see that Cobblelite charging in at the top of turn two, getting onto Rouse. I think Rouse had one wound left or a flesh wound. Um, the Cobblelite has like a decent chance to at least take another flesh wound on him. Um, but more importantly, like we were kind of talking about before, it would... Um, it, it kind of gives danger that island that he might need where he can kind of like pile a few models onto um, on his side of the board, get a kill, uh, hide from my shooting for a turn, and then still score that objective for himself the following turn. So I knew it was a risky play, mm -hmm. um, but it was also turn one of a best of three. And I really wanted to see if danger would take it or not. Um, I, I remember, like, I moved him there, and I'm like, you know, Shane charges. I know Shane would charge with that cobble-like gunner, <laughs> but I'm not sure if Danger will charge. And I wanted to kind of get that read on him early on uh -huh. so that uh, <laughs> I knew how aggressive I could be later on, if that makes sense. Yeah, just oh, testing, wow. the, okay. testing the waters to see how much of a, of a madman he, he is. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, actually. Okay, so... You were able to take game one, um, and then going into turn two, uh, he pulls out his racks. Yeah. Um, and you went with the same exact list that you took against his Cavalates. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> why did you not make any uh, adjustments or anything to your list? Uh, like in my experience, it's it's really the same models that you want against both. Um. Mm -hmm. Like you, you still want the high volume of shots. Um, like you, you don't want to start trading hot shots for plasma guns. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't. It, it might help you against the toughness, but it doesn't help you against the invulns. Um. And it. Yeah, like it. You're le definitely less killy against the racks, but the racks are also less killy against you in return, which is nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was really hoping to play like a similar style of game to how I was playing against like the straight mandrakes. 
Um, I knew yeah. I would kill a little less, but I was, I also knew that it wouldn't be the end of the world if he got in on something just cause like I said, his models aren't, aren't the killiest either. The way that he wound up deploying his models where he had a lot of racks over on one side of the board where you had sort of more evenly spaced your models across your entire uh, board edge deployment zone. Uh, was that cause of was that cause for concern for you at all? Or was that kind of like, okay, he's putting all of his eggs in one basket. Now I have a lot more freedom to do what I want to do and play my game. Yeah, initially I, I thought it was pretty good for me. I thought um, I thought just having that open side of the board would allow me to kind of like shift a lot of my shooting over there. And then I figured like he would still never be able to control the center and it would, he, he would still be stuck onto two objectives at best, um, both of which I could still shoot from the other side of the board. So I, I, I thought it would be good. It, I think it ended up being a pretty good play from his side of things. Um, I wasn't able to get the out of actions I needed turn one. Yeah. And he, he was kind of able to start jumping on my models faster than they could run away. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was kind of like a really good example of how things can go bad for my list. Um, I, it, I think his Akathist in particular, which is like the one model I really needed to deal with, um, ended up being like a huge problem because it's kind of the, his electrocorrosive whip is kind of the exception to the rule that racks aren't that killy, right? It's multi-damage. It's got lots of attacks. Um, I, I think I stuck a flesh wound on him turn one instead of taking him out of action. And um, yeah. he was able to... I think he eventually killed, like, Ryan and a Scion and maybe maybe another model as well with that guy. Yeah. Yeah, really rounds, yeah rounds two and three of that game, it was pretty like touch and go it was a real toss-up um i think you guys were neck and neck or i think like danger throw at a one point lead at one point um so how do you remember how you were able to like kind of rein it back in and close out that game yeah i think there was um i think there was finally a moment in turn three where i i finally either had enough distance with my models that they weren't in like a, a ton of danger anymore. Mm-hmm. And like e- either I had distance or he had killed the ones that couldn't make it out. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think kind of a turn three was around where like my shooting options started to open up again. Uh-huh. Um, I think his Clavex went down that turn to two hotshot volley guns. Mm-hmm. Um, Gottfried was still like kind of stuck in a noodle fight in the middle of the board. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think that was the beginning of like me starting to edge back in on the points. Um, and it set me up for a nice turn four where I had a lot of, I, I think turn four, I was rolling a lot of dice and I, he didn't have an option or the opportunity to roll a bunch. So I think it was really, Oh, kind of, yeah, turn three where things turned around. I, I finally managed to retreat my guys into a position I liked and 
he was finally kind of getting stuck over on that one side that he had committed to. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Shane, do you have any other questions about uh, game two? Uh, not so much about game two, but I did. I have one more question about the series in general. Um, obviously, game two was very close. Uh, did you have anything like a contingency plan in mind if you lost that game that you would have tried out in game three, or do you think you would have just stuck with the same list? Um, obviously, it would have depended on the on the deployment, but I guess just generally speaking. Yeah, depending. I think I would have stuck with the same list. Um, it felt I, I I'm not like I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I kind of had the feeling that my list should have been performing a little better than it did those games. Like I think my hot shots were performing kind of like well below average. Mm-hmm. I would and agree. So with that. yeah, we got that vibe. <laughs> I, I I think some of my other models like kind of performed above average, <laughs> um, which compensated a bit, but. I I think if I had kind of stuck to my guns, pursued a similar strategy, and um, if, if the those particular units came back around for me, I I think that some of those games might have looked a bit different. Okay. Just yeah, that stick was, to that the hotshot volley guns. Okay. Yeah, the hotshots were def. I was saying in the in the commentary that I think this is the worst I've ever seen micros hotshot volley guns do yeah <laughs> like, yeah I remember that. before that in the tournament that they never missed like they never yeah. missed all four shots there would always be at least one hit even if it was sixes or something yeah yeah it was and i watched crazy. you yeah because I, I was watching you play against a lot of Drakari and like mandrakes and i every time i would be like surely he's not going to get a hit one of these times but you'd always get one of them through and it <laughs> yeah. <that> weapon <laughs> was just so effective at, at taking mandrakes off the board yeah, um, I think in the whole final, so it was games, I brought three hot shots both games, and I think that they ended up winning the series for me because, um, like, turn four of game two, they killed two guys in the middle. Uh, I think my demo hot shot killed two yeah. guys with his last round of shooting, which mm-hmm. dropped two bounties that Gottfried was able to pick up and win the series. Um, but I think that was literally the only like out of action or flesh wound that they did the entire series, all, all six of them. <laughs> yeah. And, um, speaking of underperforming, uh, in both games in the finals, Rouse's grenade failed to kill. Completely whiffed. Yeah. Yeah. Did that yeah, a little ever, bit of a heartbreaker. did that ever happen the rest, like in, in any other games in the tournament where Rouse didn't kill with his grenade after coming in? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I, I think he, he really consistently gets to a uh, a flesh wound, or like at least an injury roll. Uh-huh. But it's still like a D3 damage weapon, so I think there were, def- there were definitely games where like he would roll a 1 on the damage or something like that. Mm, yeah. Um, and there were some games where I didn't... Um, I, I think I had a game or two where I didn't even like throw the grenade turn one. Okay. Uh, Ryan, did you have anything else you wanted to ask about the finals? During the finals, we saw you use a significant amount of like Astra Militarm specific tactics, just like faction tactics, the way you use them, you use them a lot more than a lot of other people do in competitive kill team. 
Um, mm. Was that just is that just like your mo? Do you just do you just enjoy using them, or uh, do you uh, think that Astra Militarum has a lot of really good tactics? Yeah, I think they have amazing tactics. Like when when I'm playing my heretics, I pretty much just stick to core. Um, just like decisive move, decisive charge. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. a reroll. Um, Astra Militarum, like especially their defensive ones, are like super super nice situationally um a lot of teams have that i was playing against they would have like one or two good shooting models you know what i mean yeah um so they can't really match my output of shooting and then if i can neuter like if if they're trying to gang up and kill one of my guys in return and i pop attack like the get down tactic so now they're minus one to hit right um all of a sudden the shooting they do have is nerfed for that round as well and so their output goes to like zero or they do get that flesh or they do get to that injury roll but my guy's in cover and you pop fight for your life and now you need a six to kill him right all of a sudden that guy might as well be a necron right so it's kind of crazy how like a guard can go from a glass cannon faction where it's like you touch them and they'll die but if you can kind of pick a model or two and just be like, no, this guy's not dying. <laughs> yeah, and that's funny. I find that really strong because yeah. your output doesn't really get affected as the game goes on if you can uh, keep models alive. So mm-hmm. I think in general, I was really prioritizing keeping my own models alive more than um, directing my CP towards outing opponents' models. Mm. Um I would rather save the CP to like for one of those tactics than like overcharge a lot of plasma or like reroll wound rolls and stuff like that. In general, like there's a time and place for everything, but if I can even just like keep one damage injury rolls coming in every turn on my opponent, those usually have a way of catching up. Yeah. Um, and if my models just aren't going out of action, I'll be able to do that all game long. So uh, I wanted to talk to you now, I guess, moving past TAO and, and just like looking forward to uh, the Worldwide Open, which is coming up in less than two weeks. Uh, how is uh, how's your prep been for that? It's been it's been interesting. It's been yeah. like really up and down. So uh, you've obviously the last tournament you ran Heretics, this tournament you ran Astromeltarum. Are you looking at those factions now, or or are you trying to do something different for the Worldwide Open? Um, I'm trying to do something different. Um, I I was really looking at running Heretics for it again. I I don't think I'm going to. Uh It doesn't feel quite... It doesn't feel quite there for me at, like, 100 points and on some of those boards. I love playing Heretics in, like, a situation that feels good for them. Uh Um, In a situation that they're not suited for. They are just like one of the least fun teams to play. <laughs> yeah. Like you, <laughs> like your fun models just get like killed before they get in there, and then you're like team breaks, and <laughs> you're just sad, and you're like, oh, okay, I don't get to play anymore. Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of so, interesting because um, one thing I wanted to bring up about that was uh, last year at Nova. Um, which is the Nova packet and the Worldwide Open packet for the listeners that are unaware are basically the same thing. Um, last year at Nova, I believe it was 
was it Will or was it Matt? I think it was Will, Will Blood, um, another Heretic player who actually placed, I think it was fourth at that tournament um, with Heretics. I don't know exactly what it was that he was doing. I think he was running Berserkers, but um, so like, what what about it to you looks un, like non-advantageous, I guess? It's the zero line of sight blocking on the on the open board mm-hmm. that just makes it so hard, um, especially at 100 points. If you are trying to run the Berserkers, you end up running with um, three Berserkers and just having nowhere to hide them. Um, like, yeah, the obscurity is good, but like some shooting factions, that like they don't care if you're obscured, right? They can just like remove that. <laughs> Yeah. Or they have the multi-damage that they can get the kill anyways. Um, and if you even lose, like, one or two of those guys for free turn one, like, just just having to go first turn one on an open board can just be disastrous. For sure. Um, and th- that's kind of the kind of game that I, d- I don't like playing. It, I, I want to play a team where I, it always feels like I have a chance. I don't need to, like, dominate... I don't need to like go into a matchup thinking that I'm going to stomp it, but I want to know that like I'm, I can go first, I can go second, whatever. I'm going to have a game of it. Um, and I, I've had a few games with Heretics where it just doesn't feel like it. Um, I know you've talked a bit about how you think, like, I, and I think you're right. If you are going to play Heretics on this open board, you do need a shooting element to your team. Um, uh-huh. But my personal experience with shooty heretics is it's just it's not not what the faction wants to be doing and and they're so limited to i like i I don't know how much you want to talk about about that i don't know yeah yeah we we could talk about it another time i was just gonna say would you say it's like not it also doesn't seem like it's your play style very much yeah it's not my play style and i find that it's not um like the shooting side isn't flexible enough you end up with like one plasma gun and the auto cannon, and then like if, if you're bringing a terminator, you, you're pretty. You only have the one terminator on your roster, and you have to kind of pick his gun ahead of time. And so you end up using the auto cannon for targets that the auto cannon like isn't great against. Like you can't tailor what guns you're taking. Does that make sense? So you <laughs> yeah. end up like firing the like you're relying on your auto cannon to do damage, but you might be against targets that have like a three up save and it only has ap minus one so even though like it it is good shooting but it's so easy to just whiff with that that gun against the wrong targets yeah this is the part where i uh where i try to convince you that the missile launcher is good (laughs) and then we go on a long (laughs) tangent um Oh, I will. I have whiffed. No one has whiffed with a missile launcher more than me. I tried oh, to make that work. Oh, I beg to differ, sir. I like. <laughs> I beg to differ. I listened right. to your guys' one with uh, the, the interview you guys did with Will, and I know he loves the missile launcher. Um, I, it has never done anything for me. Like, yeah, I, I also am a lover of the missile launcher, um, but let's not go down that path. Yeah. Let's. Uh, so. <laughs> The other one, obviously, was was Militarum that you just won with. Is it just yeah. a, the the fact that you just don't want to go back to that faction right away, or you, do yeah, you, how do you I, I feel think, about them on the format? I, I think they're probably great for the format. Um, there's even some matchups where I think you could get away with the Balgrin in Arena, 
had mm-hmm. a, even at a hundred. Um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're really good for the format. I'm, I'm just, uh, I've probably played at least fifty games, at least fifty games with them <laughs> at this point, I, and it's, it's time for something else. <laughs> I know how that feels. Um, yeah. So I guess I, uh, I want to ask you kind of a general question about that packet. Um, so last night, Ryan and I, uh, we recorded our, our form. It's not out yet, but we recorded our formal tier list. I'm not okay. going to say what it looks like or what's at the top, but I wanted to ask you, who, if you had to pick a number one faction for WWO, uh, what would it be? Necrons. Okay. I will not confirm nor deny that that's our number I can one. Neither but, uh... confirm nor deny <laughs> if they are at the top or bottom this is... of the tier list. I think we're li- we're living in the world where Benji wins this one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Um, honestly, our tier list might be out before this episode, so I guess. I think it will be. It, it, it's our yeah. number one too. <laughs> it's yeah. right there yeah. at the top. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Necrons are very scary in the format. I guess uh, so. Without revealing your your hand too much, um, are you what, what are them? you? Are you going to take <laughs> Novak Necrons? No, no. I'm. I think I'm going to take Tyranids. Okay. Um, okay. I just been, I've been having fun with them. I think um, it's definitely like not the same feeling going into this one as it was like running Astra Militarum for the last one. Like with with Astra, I was like stomping my prep, and it was just like, yeah, this this is. This is it, guys. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, with Tyranids, it's it's more that feel that I was talking about a bit earlier, where it's like, you know what, I I, I never feel like I don't have a chance with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying playing them. I think there's some neat stuff they can do. I, I really like the Warriors. And so, yeah, I think I'm going to be kind of doing a Warrior-centric Tyranid list. Mm, okay. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Um. I wanted to ask you also about, uh, I guess, looking looking further into the future to a uh, um, a world with COVID vaccines. Do uh, do you see yourself ever attending? I know you're out there in the West Coast, um, Canada, but do do you ever see yourself attending any of the uh, the bigger like IRL tourneys once eventually, finally, we we might get those back? I'd like to maybe I'd like to go to one at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I don't think I'm in a position in my life where I'll ever be like a circuit player. Yeah, I won't be able to like hit them all, but I'd like to. I'd like to go to at least one at some point. Meet everybody, hang out. I think that'd be a great time. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I mean, I've been saying that for forever. I just can't wait to go out to, uh, especially the West Coast or even just Nova, just to like meet all of these people that I've been playing kill team with for, for months and months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a few things I wanted to. If we are we good to like head back to TAO for just a sec? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a few things I just wanted to throw out there that people could try if they're playing a list like like against a list like Astronaut Militarum that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was kind of curious what would happen if people tried them against me. I would have really liked to have seen some of the Drakari players not put any Mandrakes in reserve. Yeah, 100% I agree think, with that. <laughs> I think it would allow them to be like a lot more aggressive with their movement, and I would have allowed. I would have liked to see them try and screen out Rouse less. I think by the time a lot of these, by the time they kind of like screen out their backline, um, they have like they move a few guys up a little, 
and then they're really relying on that deep strike to for their aggressive models it spaces out all your guys so much that it's like i only have to deal with one or two threats a turn everything else is like at the back of the board right yeah um i think if you just kind of deploy on the line maybe you ready your leader and then move up really fast um i think i think that might be a better play against uh gun line like this mm -hmm. and i also wanted to see people be more aggressive with uh like fire and fade moves i i think it would be it, it's a really good play to like once a lot of the shootings die down like the last mandrake that you fire like save a cp for him shoot him and then like move him right up as close as you can um he, he can't be shot by a lot anymore because it's just later in the shooting phase right and then try and get that guy into a good charge for the next turn hmm. so yeah i just wanted to put that out there if uh yeah those are good tips are thank you <laughs> ideas about playing against teams like this yeah yeah one thing i was uh thinking about personally i mean obviously i never got the chance to uh to play you in the tournament i i had considered instead of doing the deep strike um trying like a veteran move out uh with yeah. a mandrake I, obviously you can't vet advance and charge on that packet but um the vet the eight inch move on the vet move could uh could actually get you into a like a threat position to, to maybe charge some of your your shooters early on was that something you were thinking he might try yeah, I, I, it caught me by surprise when Manko did it. So I, I, I thought about it a bit more. Um, it's a very risky play because, like, you don't have that reroll on the charge turn one, right? Right. Um, you're down to CP. I think if you're going to do that, I think you should also put your Mandrakes in reserve. Really? Okay. Because I, I yeah. feel like it's tough to do both because then it's like you're putting all of your eggs and you basically come out of movement phase with zero CP. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think on some of these deployments, I think you might be able to vet move into a space where if I move into contest, like I, I think you can use that vet to clear space to deep strike your Mandrake safely, which I like better than relying on him making like, because I, I think of most of these packets, even with an eight, eight like at, at like what kind of charge distances are we looking at here at minimum? like a seven or something yeah something like that so that becomes like a 10 if if i fall back yeah no that could definitely be uh that's the thing about the vet move i know a lot of people are scared of it but um yeah if you have a melee model which the military do with their their gottfried or even like a sergeant that can fix yeah that's um military in particular have 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 their ways of, of dealing with the vet move yeah it it's like i yeah i figured like best case scenario you end up on the like you're going to end up fighting the sergeant right um worst case scenario you're just standing in the open looking looking dumb without any cp <laughs> yeah. um it it would be really deployment like I, maybe there's some deployments where it can work better than others um but i think there are a few of those deployments where you could vet move to a spot where if i react to that um it might clear some breathing room for a deep strike. But again, it's it's a high-risk play because, like you said, you're out of CP at that point. I, I, I would probably try no reserves first and no reserves, no vet move, and like a fire and aggressive fire and fade before I try to vet move. Um, but if that yeah. wasn't working, it would be 
it would probably be on my list of things to try. Yeah, the other thing that I was thinking about was kind of what Danger ended up doing in the second game, where stacking everybody onto one side. Um, the only thing I wouldn't have that I that I would have done differently was kind of what you're saying is not doing the reserves and just because he ended up spending points to to put these models down that he would have gotten farther up if he just deployed them normally. Yeah, it, that's tricky. Um, I kind of like the reserves with that play mm -hmm. because it, it forced me to still spread my side, right? Yeah. Because like I, I couldn't, I, I had to assume that he might still drop those mandrakes on the open side of the board. Mm -hmm. So I still had to account for that in my turn one movement. I couldn't just uh, be free with what I wanted to do. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, I would say it's a tough it's a tough matchup for the Drakari either way. Yeah. Um, you really have to think outside the box there. Well, anyway, um, anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap this up? Uh, no, no, I think that's good. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Yep, yeah, sure. thank you for taking the time out. It's been a pleasure. We really appreciate it. I, I get so much out of your guys' Discord channel and like all the all the tournaments and games happening there. So I guess just thank you for uh, creating this community. Um, I really love being a part of it. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for playing in it. Um, you're you're one of the best players we got on here, and yeah. it's always good to see, you know, the the I guess the level of competition rise as as we get further and further into the, uh, I guess the life cycle of this TTS yeah. era that we're in. The cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks to everybody for listening. If you've uh, if you've listened this far, thank you all to our Patreon subscribers or Patreon supporters, I should say. Uh, for uh, making what we do possible. Uh, shouts out to everybody over in the Discord. If you haven't and you're listening to this for the first time, you should head on over there. Join up. Uh, try to get some games in over on Tabletop Simulator. Uh, maybe even games against Micro himself. Yeah, it's been a pleasure recording this. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all later in the next one.